I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the review show for episode 34 on the rise of populism with guest Yasha Monk. I'm Progress Deputy Editor Connor Pope, and I'll be looking back through some of the reaction from the week with Progress Deputy Director Stephanie Lloyd. First, we should um, probably talk about the good news. We, we have so little to celebrate that... Um, <laughs> the, so uh, true. the referendum in Ireland on repealing the 8th won with an incredible majority. It did. I literally, So we were texting when this happened, me and Connor, and he was like, oh my God, have you seen the exit poll? And I was like, I can't. I can't believe it <laughs> because it will just be ripped away from me, like, you know, the scary <laughs> Hillary days. I was like, no, I just don't believe it. And he was like, no, mate, it's pretty certain. It's pretty certain this Both is going to get through. Was, were... It was amazing. Literally, I had a little tear, obviously, <laughs> and then did lots of shots of tequila for the women of Ireland. But um, yeah, no, it, it was it was amazing to see, even on an issue like that, just how strongly the kind of depth of feel was. And I think particularly when you look at the kind of exit polls, but also then you just see the breakdown of voting when it comes to particularly young women going out and voting and people under kind of 24. It just shows how much of a difference that generation can make and how progressive they can be. And of course it does, I think, put pressure on Northern Ireland and changing the law there where it's still illegal. And I think people who are against repealing these kind of abortion laws say that it, it shouldn't have any effect but that's kind of, is ridiculous, isn't it? It does mean that Northern Ireland is now essentially the only place in the whole of Western Europe that has such restrictive abortion laws. Mm. And frankly, while there isn't a government there in the Northern Ireland Assembly, then the Westminster government does have to step up and show the, the UK, mm. because I, it does reflect on the whole of the UK, I think. It does, it, it, abs- it absolutely does. And I think one of the things that I think slightly worrying that we've seen people call for, which I never actually would have expected from certain people, was the fact that we should do it by referendum over mm. in Northern Ireland, which is totally unnecessary. And and people saying, like, oh, we can't do this. It's about changing law. It's not. It's about extending the law that we already have to the rest of, you know, and, and making sure in Northern Ireland that that's covered. Um, and there was a really good article on this, actually. And it's it sparked a lot, not just about the abortion issue over there, but obviously equal marriage as well, which is also now the only place 
within the UK and yeah, the island of, of Ireland where, where you can't uh, have equal marriage and marry who you'd like. So there's a, there was a really good article actually of an open letter that the kind of centre-left candidates that are running for the NEC in the Labour Party at the moment put through kind of calling on Labour to, to kind of increase that uh, urgency on the government uh, and really put pressure on them in order to introduce those. So yeah, a really good, really good day. But still, I think the exciting thing is it really focused the mind on on what else still needs to be done, which was really positive. Yeah, and um, we'll put a link to that uh, NEC candidates uh, letter in the notes underneath. Now, we should probably talk about populism a little bit, given as that was the uh, the big topic of this week's podcast. I think we've seen some elements uh, around this issue this week. Um, first of all, in Italy, with the coalition government there between uh, the Northern League and Five Star. And also, I think... In a funny way, linked is the uh, the story about um, Arkady Babchenko, who's the... This is literally my my <laughs> second favourite story of the week. <laughs> <laughs> who, you know, was the Putin critic who was killed on Tuesday night and then in a press conference in Kiev in Ukraine on Wednesday uh, about his murder walked in, which took most people by surprise, including, Hello. including Hello, well, his wife, apparently. Yeah, but, you know, you've got to keep up the pretense. Like, if you're going to if you're going to do this, you've got to fully commit. And to just appear again and be like, I'm actually alive. I mean, what a story. But I think what links these two stories actually is uh, something slightly worrying, which I think the reactions uh, from certainly from elements within the EU to things happening in Italy will have fueled um, the kind of desire by some for these uh, populist answers that are being offered by fairly extreme politicians. I think kind of also worried that um, Babchenko having faked his death and it being blamed on Russia will then be used as an excuse by Russia next time they commit an atrocity somewhere to go, well... Maybe they're just hiding. Maybe maybe someone faked it like last time. Uh, and I think that's, that is a bit of a concern. But actually, the third popular story <laughs> that is better th- this week, I think, is, um, is about Tommy Robinson going to jail, which is a genuinely good news story. <laughs> I'm absolutely <laughs> delighted. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think that it, that is a kind of positive element here. And while some people are trying to rile up, you know, some elements of uh, of kind of a populist reaction to that, I I don't think it's. I think actually it shows Tommy Robinson's waning influence that he's having to do stuff like this to try and get any attention whatsoever. And we should be pretty happy about that indeed. Yeah, more racists in prison. That's what I say. <laughs> that's what I say. On prisons, look at that segue. Your other favourite story, you've got a lot of favourite stories this week. Um, I've genuinely had a great news week this week. Yeah, no, my absolute... The, the, the Trump-Kim summit that we've all been waiting for. Not... So my love for Kim Kardashian <laughs> knows literally no bounds. And I get a lot of judgment from a lot of people for the fact I have watched every single episode of Keeping Up With The Kardashians <laughs> and all spin-offs in chronological order. But sometimes escapism is what you need. But of all of the ridiculous and truly awful things sometimes that the Kardashians can do and push. One of the things that Kim Kardashian, to be fair to her, has always been solidly consistent on is also trying to fight for quite a few social justice issues. So one of the things she's very passionate about is gun control. Um, and she does a lot in terms of trying to use her profile in order to kind of highlight a lot of that issue and give a voice to lots of those victims. She doesn't need the press to do it when you've got millions of people that follow you on all of your social media accounts. But she did go this week and meet with Donald Trump. 
And she met very specifically about a woman called Alice Johnson, who was a great grandmother. Um, and she basically found about she she found out about her on Twitter. Um, and she's basically a first time offender um, of a drug incidence that wasn't violent um, and has basically been put in prison for life. And so she went and met to basically ask Donald Trump to pardon her and try and get her released from prison. But it, it raises a much wider issue in terms of um, the US and their incarceration issue that they have. There are a quarter of people in the entirety of the world who are incarcerated or incarcerated in America, which is supposed to be the land of the free. So anything that really highlights just how unequal the uh, criminal justice system over in America is, I think is a, is a really positive thing. And it, it brings together my love of Kim Kardashian and prison reform. So <laughs> what more could you want, Connor? What more could you want? Kardashian and Donald Trump, the, the most ambitious crossover in history. No, but true, although <laughs> unlike Kanye, who's walking around with his little make America great again, yeah, no, we no, love no. we love Donald Trump. You know, she's going there, she's lobbying, she's doing it for the issues. But the photo is like absolutely exceptional of her just stood next to him being like, hmm, it's not it's, what I thought. But she was a big Hillary fan, so, you know, she's it, trying, to, trying to help. Is it an issue that she's cared about for a long time? Because I imagine if we were having this conversation in like 2015 or something, trying to convince someone that a picture of Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump discussing prison reform in the Oval Office was a genuine thing. I think Donald Trump difficult. in the Oval Office just, you know, <laughs> seemed somewhat behind the sky at that point. But no, I mean, don't get me wrong. It is trash TV and, you know, it is reality TV, reality TV at its, its best and worst in lots of ways. However, one of the things, there's always like one episode at least a season where they go and focus on or try and give a level of awareness to um, and exposure to really good causes. So lots of that is focused on homelessness, gun crime, um, and also the kind of prison system and how that works. Mm. So she it is a thing that she's always been a, you know, she's always had a level of trying to use some of that publicity, shameless publicity that she has for at least some good, so... On the subject, another brilliant segue for oh you Oh my here. God, you're, these segues are 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> on the subjects of women in important rooms, <laughs> making big decisions. <laughs> on, the, on the subject of, now you've mentioned the women. <laughs> <laughs> uh, women on boards. Um, that has been uh, in the news this week as well. It has, yes. Yeah. So um, the kind of, the concept of quotas and that, the kind of implementation from the government about having to have quotas, particularly on the kind of FTSE 3000 boards, the figures were published, um, they're kind of due now, but there is a, a remarkable report. And, and the most remarkable thing about this report is the excuses. So uh, there's a wonderful article in the Times. It's the top worst excuses for failing to appoint women to company boards that were submitted in all seriousness, to this review. Number one, would you like some highlights? I'm going to give them to you Please. anyway. Number one, I don't think women fit comfortably in the, the board environment. Sure. Uh, <laughs> number two. Is the chairs? <laughs> it's, it's also, have you, have, you ever, have you ever seen that thing about Bic where they made pens for women? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, it's like, we just can't cope with it. Our tiny little physiques, we just can't, <laughs> we just, you know, it's too overbearing. Um, number two, there aren't that many women with the right credentials and depth of experience to sit on the board. These issues covered are extremely complex. <laughs> Stick to ironing and making dinner, women. <laughs> Most women just don't want the hassle or the pressure of sitting on a board. They just don't want it. I don't know Amazing. what all these people are asking, but we just don't want to make any decisions about the world we live in. <laughs> it's just too much like a faff. And then my, some of my other, my, my absolute favourite is, all the good women have already been snapped up. Oh, 
I know. I hate it when that like, there was literally 10 of them ever, and they've already gone. They can't find any more. No, literally can't find. You can imagine just walking out into the room, just looking through a sea of women and being like, no, no, they're already gone. Can't see them. Just can't I, see them. Actually, the more I think about it, the more that one that women wouldn't be comfortable in that environment is brilliant. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's probably probably right, actually. Have you ever wondered why? Because <laughs> you're a massive misogynist. <laughs> but there's just not, you know, we've already got one woman on the board, so that's done. That it's is... someone else's turn. It's another man called Mike. That's or John Or David. <laughs> all of the really thrilling men that always end up running these companies. It's like, but we've got one, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, we should probably... There's my, my rant for the week over we there. We should probably finish up with um, the political pub quiz question. Uh, every week I ask a political pub quiz question and people send in the answers and the first to get it right wins a mug. This week I asked about the former Canadian Foreign Minister Maxime Bernier who resigned after leaving sensitive NATO documents in the home of an ex-girlfriend with links to which controversial group? Did you have any idea about the answer to this stuff? No. It was the Hells Angels. Ooh. You, you ever ridden a motorbike? You seem like the type. So, if my mum's listening to this she'll actually kill me. Amazing. Yes I have. <sighs> Wow. I'm really not meant to. <laughs> really wasn't meant to do that. But it was a really long time ago, Mum, and I'd totally never do it again. Completely sorry for dubbing you in there. <laughs> I had no idea. Like, I could lie, but I'm just not that person. No, yeah, I did. It was a lot of fun, but also genuinely terrifying. Oh, well, thank you for our resident Hells Angel for that. Um, <laughs> Jim Robbins, congratulations to Jim Robbins. You got that right. Please do send your name and address to office at progressonline.org.uk and we'll put a mug in the post for you. If you've had a previous question right and still have no mug, we've plenty in the office now after a stocking issue. Please do get in touch and we will sort that out for you. Remember to send in any comments and questions, leave a review, rate and subscribe on iTunes. And thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. <laughs>